break, Camino Collective is an entertainment company comprised of visual, theater, literary, and performing arts, redefining the American narrative through radical storytelling. And if that's not exciting enough, know that together as artists and collaborators, Victoria Calado and Vanessa Garcia, co-founders of Aubrey Camino, have worked in theater, TV, journalism, visual arts, academia, radio, the literary arts, and film. They have master's degrees, doctorates, and have worked on Broadway. Most recently, they've created the Amparo Experience, the immersive hit play that people in Espanol called Miami's Hottest Ticket and had a sold out eight month run in 2019. It was a pleasure, a thrill, a delight to sit down with Vanessa and Vicky and talk about their experiences, talk about what brought them to this point as Broadway producers, and talk about the relationship between investors in the Cuban American experience and how we can help cultivate the investors having faith and confidence in the creators and the creators being able to pay back and everyone being lifted in the process. I was really inspired by them. They are doing such fabulous work. Lean into the conversation about their experience, hearing people share their stories after experiencing their theatrical um, process. This Miami's Hottest Ticket, the Aparo experience. It really just reminded me that theater is about building community. I personally think that theater is best enjoyed with a young person on one side and a grandparent on the other, and that we build societies as we exchange in this theatrical experience. I'm so glad to have Abre Camino Collective on the podcast. I hope you enjoy them too. Welcome to the show, Vanessa and Vicky. We're so glad to have you. Thank, Thank you, you for having, having us while we're doing that. We started the thing where we started talking the same thing. We're doing the twinsy talk. <laughs> oh, that's so good. It just means that you're connected, right? That's awesome. The work that you two are doing is incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, we're having fun while we're doing it. Which yeah. has seemed, has been the best recipe, honestly, to have oh. as much fun as possible while we're working. So one of my questions we're going to get to is secret sauce. So let's get back to that recipe because that's got to be part of it. That's an ingredient. Um, Vicky, you were named best director by the Miami New Times and were yes. assistant director to Tony Tacone in the Tony-nominated Latin History for Morons on Broadway. Yes, um, I was. <laughs> how did you tell me, Vicky, how did you and Janessa connect to create your company? I don't even know the story. So actually, um, it's actually the biggest risk and the most, um, in Spanish, we call it cañona. Like it's, uh, it's like a kind of get in the way I wedged in, I wedged in, in the weirdest way. So I was part of the Van Leer directing fellows over at Repertorio Español, which is one of the oldest, uh, theater companies in New York that does uh, theater in Spanish. And so I was one of their fellows for two years. We had a resident director that was like kind of our mentor and a friend of ours at that time that was producing one of Vanessa's shows called me because she wanted to get in contact with the resident director. And she said, hey, I'm trying to get in contact with this guy. Do you do you know if you can give me his number? I'm like, yeah, I could totally give you his number. But you know, I direct, right? And she's like, yes. Oh my God. That's the most brilliant idea. Yes. Of course. It's you. It's you. It's totally you. We're going to go up and we're going to do um, a short play of Vanessa Garcia's. I had a long time before then 
had actually read something of hers at this like new what was it the uh new theater had these like one shorts they were shorts essentially like people yeah but they were like i don't know shorts they were shorts and they were super tiny and for some reason i had to read one of hers i was like oh i really like this one so um that's how we met and then Van, do you want to pick it up from there so then i go up to new york and um i meet vicky and she starts i had always wanted to like i was always looking for people who were um who could do things that were in my head you know, like every playwright. Um, and when she started directing and adding movement and doing the things that like, you know, the stage directions do a thing and she was actually doing and adding and oh my God, magic. So I was like, okay, I I really, really like this person and this person might just be like, you know, the creative soulmate. So, however, we I had to leave New York and go back <laughs> to, we, we lived in New York 10 years, seven years, 10 years around there, less than 10 years each, but at totally different times. So then I go back to Miami and Vicky keeps sending me emails, you know, like, Hey, why don't you, why don't you sign up for this? Why don't you do this? And we sort of keep in touch. I like to call it the, the courtship. It was the, it was the only time I was like, Oh, you know, you should really do this. Oh, you should really do that. But it hadn't, it had no no strings attached. Like it wasn't like, Hey, I'm directing a thing. I just really, believed in her work and I thought that her work was amazing so I was like this needs to go out there go 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 yeah and so then I got a phone call to do um what became the Amparo experience which is what you were talking about the top Mm -hmm. my the Miami's hottest ticket thing Uh, I got a phone call that from someone named Paul Ramirez and he said hey I heard you write about um Cuba and you do plays and we have this show and we want to do it and it's like it started out as this thing that was going to be like 20 minutes in a bar um it was never that so the minute that it started to have legs as something more and even before even when it was 20 minutes at a bar um I was like I know the director that needs to do this her name is Victoria Collado, and she's assistant directing uh, Latin history for morons as we speak. So obviously you want her. And he was like, oh, yeah. So he called her and immediately the three of us gelled. And then I want to say the rest is history because that's the moment that everything really started because we started working together in a way that it was just like never before. And I know the moment in rehearsal where I was like, I never want to work a different way again. Like that was all nonsense. I remember it specifically. Look, I'm getting goosebumps. It was in that top on top of like uh, around what was that it was like studio? A, it was a dance studio. It was a dance studio near um like the this famous street in uh, Miami called Eighth Street, which is like the big Cuban little Havana street. So we were very close by, and this dance studio, and it was like a dance studio with like all these like props that the owner had, and then these massive mirrors. Yeah. Because essentially what the way we work is there's this script and then whenever, since it's immersive, like whenever there were gaps in the narrative or, or Vicky was like, hey, uh, that's not going to work. Or you know what? It's going to take like 20 minutes, not the 10 you thought, girl, to get from there to there. Um, you need to add stuff. So I would add in the room, like I would write in the room and give it straight to the actors. She would work with the actors while I was writing and then give them what I had written. And I was like, I never want to this is one super like energizing fun it's real and it just was immediate and also one thing that from my end as a director that was very 
exciting was the idea prior to like on the other end, I felt limited at times from a playwright. Like the playwright was like, well, oh, you're getting too creative. Like you need to, I, I want less of your voice. And it's like, okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. But with Vanessa, it was the utter, utter opposite, which was like, okay, what are your thoughts? And then it was like this melding together. Like it, it just flowed like the definition of flow. Yeah. I would say I had this thought while you were saying that I was like, maybe I shouldn't say it, but I'm gonna say, it. um, <laughs> <laughs> which is that it's like, it's like midwives, you know what I mean? Yes. Where it's like, you're not just like, okay, breathe and do this. It's like, sometimes you gotta stick your hand in there <laughs> mm-hmm. and they have to like, you have to be okay with that. Cause if not, there's not going to be a baby at the end of this thing. Mm. So, you know, that's that's actually a really good metaphor for for <laughs> directing. <laughs> well, it's like it's so clear how much you work seamlessly together. Um, I was listening to the podcast episode. So your podcast is never the empty nest. I love it. I want to like showcase my nest and build twigs and like little Lily talking about like, I love my nest is just so adorable. And like how you check in on your days. I love it. And I listened to the episode of the two of you with Ruben, who you've worked with. Yes. <laughs> and you were like talking about how easy it was for you to gel. And I'm I was like, oh, well, maybe that's Ruben's superpower. And maybe it is. But I think it's your superpower. Like your ability <laughs> to gel with each other and with other creatives. That's got to be part of the secret sauce. It's definitely part of the secret sauce. And I and I, I mean, we can save the secret sauce for later for when you ask that question. But I think that one of I think that is one of our superpowers as a team of like this creation. Every project that we've worked on together always feels like a family. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, it never feels like someone's voice isn't heard. Yeah. Um, and we've both been in experiences where the opposite happens. So. And what's interesting is that it's it's like the people who stay in these projects are there, and there's roots in this thing, and like we we go on and on, and and then the people who are like, I just want to do something all by myself. They sort of find their way out. Like really just nicely, nothing happens. They're just like, bye. <laughs> it just happens because it really does become a community, I think. Yeah. And that's at the core of theater. Like last night I went to watch this play that Vanessa had already seen. It's at one of the theaters that we worked with, uh, with Ruben. Um, and I'm going to work later this year called Gable Stage. And it, it was just like the purest form of theater. Like it was just like pure. It was two characters are doing Heisenberg. So it's just two characters and it's just like this nice flow. And it just made me really appreciate theater again. And the thought of like, there are two types of, there's multiple types of theater artists, but there are the people who do it because they love the collaboration. And then there are other people that do it because they specifically like their craft a lot, but they're not necessarily interested in the collaboration. Yeah. And I also think that as as Americans in theater, sometimes we have forgotten like the joy of all working together mm. because there's a system, you know, like here's this play and it gets passed on to the playwright and the playwright's allowed for three days at the beginning and then this happens and then there's two weeks and it's like, you know, the system. And the system is necessary in order to make a machine move and all of that. But like right now I'm working with a group of young playwrights who are amazing and in something called Homegrown down here run by City Theater. And at first, like, I was like, hey, we're going to write a play together. There's eight of them. We're all going to do it. It's going to happen. They were like, what? And they kind of freaked out. And some of them, you know, had hesitation. And other ones, uh, others were like, let's jump in. Where's the diving board? Um, now, 
they're obsessed with it. They write to me every three seconds. I, you could see my WhatsApp and, and they're like, when are you giving us notes on that? Oh my God, this is so exciting. Did you see what happened? And I'm like, yes, this is amazing. But yeah, the creation process in a group where you can still maintain your voice and also have this collective is really beautiful. Okay, I want to talk about, um, Vanessa, a question for you. So you have written and worked for Sesame Street, Caillou. We are family, Dora the Explorer. You've also authored White Light, which won an International Latino Book Award. It was one of NPR's best books. You've worked in academia and your journals as essays and thought pieces have appeared in the LA Times, the Washington Post, ESPN. I'm not done. As a journalist, you are a featured writer and essays have appeared in American Theater Magazine, The Huffington Post, and other publications. And like I said, I really enjoy your podcast, Never the Empty Nest. And I just bought your first picture book for children. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Yes. Yay. So clearly you span lots of genre. My question is, Vanessa, how does writing for Broadway different from these other styles of writings that you've done so well? Mm. Well, one thing I'll say is that something that's sort of connected in all of them is that there is a commercial aspect to them, to all of these things in the sense that they are meant for people to actually go to enjoy, like dig their, their hands into and do all that stuff. All of that, you know, at the same time, some of like the journalism is really different. I think the journalism is different. And then at the same time in my head, I'm like, wait a minute, it's really not because what it's doing is opening up something that not a lot of people know about to a greater amount of people. Like I write a lot about Cuba and Cuba is so specific and yet it is connected to the entire world. And no matter who you are, it relates to you. And so how do you unpack, you know, centuries and centuries of history into a moment that someone could read in, you know, a thousand words, um, that it's really well researched and that you can also move through it. And it's somewhat entertaining. I know that sounds bad when you're talking about journalism, but it has to be. Otherwise, people don't read through it. You know what I mean? Um, how do you use the techniques of fiction to move narratives forward? Um, in that sense, they're all similar. However, mm. they work differently in the sense of different people are going to pick up different things. So Sometimes you're like, I need to write an article about this and a play because I need to reach all those people, <laughs> you know? Um, so for me, it's fun to morph into genres because you're just changing voice and technique, but it's not necessarily that difference in the sense of, of, of goal, you know? Mm, okay. Awesome. Um, I, together, as playwright Vanessa, as director Vicky, you two are all things creative. It's so evident. Uh, this podcast looks at the producer role and relationship with investors, right? Nothing can happen without investors. I mean, I know yeah. some people can bankroll a show. Okay, great. But like, I don't know how many shows you can bankroll without getting some investors. And I think that process of investing in investors is also like building the nest, building the the show, like mm -hmm. getting all the buy-in, right? Here's the secret sauce, the secret sauce question. What have you found is the secret sauce to finding the right investor? Vicky, you want to take that one? Yeah, I think one, If I'm just going to really focus on our specific journey on investors and people who have chosen to like back us up is, is, is I think the best way is that I think the secret sauce is to be honest with what you're doing and staying true to the thing you want to make. Um, 
I think that that always brings the right people mm-hmm. that want to support you and want to, um, want to allow you to do your work, right? That, that those investors understand that you're clear on what you want. You're very passionate about what you want and they know that you're the expert at making the thing that you want. And so finding the people that believe in the message, believe in you because you are, you continue to be as authentic. And I know that authentic has become like one of these posh words. I'm so British. It's a posh <laughs> word. Um, but, but the truth of it is like the, the actual authenticity of like, this is who we are. And, and this is the ground that we stand on. These are the morals that we stand on. And this is how we're going to communicate. Do you buy into that? And if you don't, that's fine. Thank you so much. We'll move on and we'll, it, it's a process. It's never the easiest. And I think we're still learning. Exactly. I mean, we're definitely still learning, right? Something that an investor does is they're buying into you and the things that you can make. So it's like talking conversations, a lot of conversations. Sometimes we pitch something and we're like, hey, it's not that you can't pivot on a story, right? It's not that you can't like change and morph and like do something like that, right? But sometimes you're 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 talking, you're making a pitch and and the people on the other end are like, okay, it's not exactly what we're looking for and this and that. However, when you're talking and you're, it's coming from, from a very authentic place, like Vicky's saying, and it's very clear that the kind of thing that you want to convey, that investor understands that everything is fluid in the sense of like, I'm giving you a draft of a, of a, of the, the first pitch of something, right. And here's, there's going to be another one and another one and another one. So it's like this combination of subject and person. It's like dating, you know, it's like dating because you're like, well, that didn't quite gel. There wasn't really a click there. Oh, okay. Not there, not there. And then sometimes it's like, Hmm, this is interesting. And then you got a court, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's right. You have it is court. Mm-hmm. because if you don't do that, like I could have missed out on my husband, you know, cause I was like, all right, I'll give him a chance. He seems pretty interesting. You know, <laughs> it wasn't like, wham, but this is the love of my life. So, you know, it's like that. Yeah. I think I agree. I love hearing that. Um, it's just a different way of looking at the investor relationship from a producer's perspective, which is um, it's, it doesn't just happen and you meet someone and they give you all this money and you're done. Like it is right. a process. And I think for first time or emerging producers, that's the hardest thing. Like I want to build myself. I want to build it right now. Mm. Wait, like mm. you have to cultivate this and that, you know, lifts the whole experience. It's a helpful courting process, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's super easy or fast at all at all. And we learned, there was like a period in our company where it was just like, boom, boom. Like we were just like pitching and we were going through the whole thing. And we are who we are, meaning Vanessa and I are are, um, to the point of annoyingness. Like we're never going to give up. Let's be honest. Like this is take risks also to the point of other people's annoyance. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> and and which is I think also what makes it great like there's never the 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 benefit of bo- having both of us together is that we're both like all right let's go let's jump that makes those moments of like oh that one fell through or this is not happening but just the consistency of like knowing that then there is a yes yeah and you actually need less yeses than you need no's. So like, you're probably going to get always more no's than you're going to get a yes, but that yes is going to be worth every single no you've gotten. Yeah. Yeah. They're training. 
Then those are like training because at the end of the day, that's going to be the thing with your piece also or with everything, right? There's going to be no's and then there's going to be like, yes, <laughs> yes. I remember talking to John Leguizamo. Uh, we spent a lot of time together just like going over lines and just a lot of time. And I don't know, in one of those breaks, he said this thing about auditioning that kind of like flipped a switch in my head to every actor, but now it's it's pertains to this. He's like, every time I would go audition, it was like a fun new, like I got to perform, mm -hmm. like I got to do the job. And so that kind of, I'm just like literally going to prescribe that to myself. Now it's like, every time you pitch, you're like, I get to do my job today. I get to go in there and inspire someone. So I think that bringing the positivity to the pitch is also helpful. And you know what, if you're actually in the room with someone, there's also someone listening to you, mm -hmm. which is pretty amazing. I mean, just that's amazing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, you two have had a significant commercial investor sponsor your work, right? Yeah. And I'm interested in how was that? Like, what did you learn from that process? Okay. When starting out, as uh, from at least from my perspective as a director, um, you know, the, the theater world tends to say things like, oh, the big sponsors, oh, God, they, they're just the most controlled. They don't get us. They don't get us. They don't, selling they're selling, you're selling out. Like it's a thing, it's a thing that everybody, every artist, you hear it and you're like, holy moly, quote unquote, selling out. But I actually felt a lot of freedom. And we always talk about this. So, I mean, we should probably say that the, the sponsor that we had, right? right. The, the huge sponsor that we had for this show, The Amparo Experience, was Bacardi, um, the rum, because it was the story of uh, one of the rums in their portfolio called Havana Club Rum. Uh, the the creators of the real Havana Club rum. It's a very tricky story. You can look it up. It's It has a lot of entanglements. Um, but they gave us a massive budget and we felt total freedom. I think that they kind of spoiled us for the rest yeah. of our lives because they were like, all right, you, you're the experts here at what you do. We're going to allow you to do it. These are our notes. And it's like small things like from the family member saying something like, the the main character didn't wear a hat. He really liked his hair <laughs> or like, you know, just a lot of specific notes that belong to their world, but it was utter freedom. And also it was working with a big budget that allowed you to dream, mm -hmm. which is something that takes a long time to get to, unfortunately in our, in our industry. And the other thing that it, it taught us, I think that we knew we knew we had inside of us and wanted, but that we were like, oh, this is actually the evidence of, which is that theater isn't just for theater people. You know, this it shouldn't just be this thing, this circle mm -hmm. thing where, you know, you are going to the theater because you're in the theater and then, you know, this is for everybody. That's the point, you know, like that is the point. Everybody should be able to go see a show and feel and take something at the end and give something back, you know? Um, so I feel like when we did the Amparo experience, the thing that we saw was that those audiences were not, were people who didn't usually go to the theater. They mm -hmm went because they wanted to hear the story because they heard that it was something you moved through. It was immersive. They went many times because there were 23 different ways to see the show. Um, and it was an event and that's why we called it an experience. And it was, it was beautiful because people would stay after the show and they would tell us in the back, there was a rum garden and they would tell us after two hours of going through this experience, they would stay another hour and talk with family and with us and tell us their stories. We have a lot of stories right now that we're working on because of that, 
because mm. of that garden in the back. Because it was literally a garden. It was beautiful. Uh, you talked about the idea of uh, this communal experience in theater and people giving back. But that's really a concrete way that they could spend time and share their stories and give it back. Like within the context of the theatrical experience. That's pretty, that's pretty special. It yeah. was, it was uh, the most fulfilling mm -hmm. ex theatrical experience so far. I want to say in my life, do yeah. you say in yours too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you would go and it was, and it wasn't like, oh my God, you're so great. It was none of that. It was no, like, they don't even, nope. It was just like, I have to tell you my story. <laughs> we watched, I will never forget this. I still feel like I was intruding in a moment, but I'm so grateful that I got to experience this. Like I watched a mother tell her daughter for the first time of what it was like to be a political prisoner in Cuba for speaking her mind. Mm -hmm. And so I watched literally as the girl was like, this is a 40 year old woman that's just like breaking down. And her mother's like, yes, this happened and that 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 happened. And all of this is happening. And there was, there was us, there was also the actors, there was the other producers, there was um, the bar staff. All of these people are receiving all of these stories. And so you're just seeing the immediate result of the impact of the story that you're telling, the work that you're putting up. And that that's life-changing mm -hmm. in many ways. I want to see this on The Great Colorful Way. Can we talk about being Cuban American on Broadway, like the system, can we talk about why it played so well in Miami? It may or may not play commercially in Broadway. I, I, that's not necessarily where I wanted to go, but you brought it up. So let's go there. Like why could it play there? What can you talk to it? About? I mean, we both know it can. We both know fully that it can. Um, it's also why we're going commercial because with commercial you say i just need investors and we're going to make a thing happen you know as opposed to i'm going to push this idea into a you know into a theater or whatever that is so we absolutely think that not only our our ideas our culture are you know a, an extension of what amparo was for example can play into broadway i think it would invigorate it and it would be amazing and i think people would love it so i think we both think that too yeah i 100 percent agree yeah. i mean so uh, it's something that we had been talking very um seriously about right before the pandemic hit because our our show um closed right before uh, the pandemic and we were going to take it places and there was a question like, is this something for Broadway? And that was a question, you know, and why not? On Your Feet was on Broadway in terms of just a Cuban-American story, for example. That's the Gloria Stefan and Emilio story, the Miami Sound Machine. People loved that show, you know? Um, and I think we can push beyond that. Right. Which I think that that's, you know, I remember watching that show and at least from like a Cuban-American girl sitting down in a big theater at the Marriott Marquis watching another Cuban American girl star in the show. And all of a sudden these like huge two Cuban flags are flying in the middle of a Broadway stage. It's a very specific experience. I know that the, the people around me who weren't Cuban probably didn't feel what I felt, but I'm like, holy moly, what is happening? Right? Like that, the idea of that, uh, being on stage me means a lot. Mm -hmm. But the fact that someone e is even getting a chance to know something else, I think that something that happens with the with the Latino community is that we get clumped up together. 
And mm. there are different customs and there are different thoughts and there are different ways of expressing ourselves. And there's even words in Spanish that if you say bug in Cuba, you say that word somewhere else, it means something else and you could be <laughs> offending someone. So it's just this sort of like, all of a sudden allowing the fan to open up. Like we have this wonderful fan that's full of magic and all that. And you open the fan and you can actually see all the different colors inside as opposed to like clumping us up together. And the thing that's roaming through my brain while you're talking is like at that moment, um, that the thing that other people did feel was that line that Emilio says, which is, this is what America looks like. You know, like it was, it's something like that. I'm paraphrasing, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was like, you know, they're trying to make it in the industry and they're selling this like you know uh, syncopation with with super latin beats and like this thing that you know it's crossing over completely and they're like this is america that's what this is and you don't have to be cuban to get that uh you just have to be you don't even have to be american to get that but you you, you definitely get it if you're american right um and the thing that i think that we can do in that sense is also show what america feels like in a way that's real, and I don't think that people have have actually, you know, shown on the great colorful way. Is that what I we said? It. I love it yes, too. I love that. So true or false? True or false? One of the benefits of the awakening that we've had as a society through the pandemic, I hope, is a greater understanding and commitment to listening to more voices and more stories that have traditionally been under read not represented on the great colorful way. True or false? Is there a shift? Are you feeling it? Are we part of it? Will we see something better in the future? True. It's going to be a battle on my perspective. We're true. We're in it. We're like in true, it, in, in, in it. the, in, in the, the, the trenches. Yeah. We're in, we're in, we're in there. And I actually, I think, I mean, I think we have to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the difference. And that's the click that I think happened at least for some of us, which was like waiting for someone else to click with your work when they're not a lot of people, you know, in the gatekeeping roles that might immediately click, you know, that you would need that long courtship with and the whole thing. Well, we're going to have to do it. Like we're going to have to do it. Just to add something. I think that people forget that change multiple voices, like democracy, like anything that allows your voice to be heard is an uncomfortable situation. And so when we're seeking comfort, it actually doesn't allow for your brain to be like, oh, I'm not right. What, what are you saying? Like the crashing of the thoughts and that discomfort is actually what leads us to a better place. So kind of embracing the fact, like, it's like when you work out, even though I love eating food, I also like working out. And I think that what's shifted that was the, um, I had a trainer once who was like, when you feel the tension and you feel the burn, that's where the work is happening. Like when you're feeling the discomfort, that's where you're getting stronger. And so that idea of like allowing the discomfort to happen so that we can be a more unified voice, like more unified in the sense of like allowing more voices to be in the game. I think that's going to be pretty exciting. I was just gonna say one more thing since we're talking about Gloria Stefan. Um, you know, she has that I, I do. Um and she has that song which is like uh, changes happen overnight. Yes. And it's it's really interesting. I love it because it's like we obviously know that that's not true. It, there's, you know, the thing underneath the the all the work under the iceberg, right? Like you there's tons of things that lead to something happening overnight, but then it does. Like there is a tipping point. Like mm all this and all that we've been doing, it's just going to go like, boom. And then it's really going to be colorful. 
It's going to be so <laughs> colorful. It's going to be amazing. With glitter. <laughs> With glitter. I love that. <laughs> what do we need more of to make that, that like flywheel, like the turning point? Do we need more producers? Do we need more investors? I do think that we need investors to take a chance mm -hmm. and understand that, which is, it's a scary, it's a scary choice for an investor. I'm putting myself in their position of like, well, I'm gonna put a lot of money and I know that that formula works because I've seen it work multiple times, but this is like, it's like investing in Apple when it was in the garage stage, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and we feel that a lot because not only do we, our stories are different, but even the models in which we tell stories mm -hmm. um, are also different. So people are like, I'm not sure if that's going to work. And we're like, we know it's going to work. Mm -hmm. And so getting investors to trust the artists and take risks, like what does it mean to take a calculated risk on a particular group or groups of people? Yeah. And I think one thing that I learned from journalism that I could, you know, um, I think should be shared with investors is that if you go into a story thinking you know what the story is, you're doomed. You go into a story to discover the story. So you're going in and you're going to listen, do a lot of listening and a lot of sort of working around and researching and asking people and seeing what these subjects are doing. And you're researching and doing the thing. And then you're like, oh, that's the story. Oh my God, that is amazing. So I would say the same thing for people who are investing in, you know, Latin A, Latinx, et cetera, et cetera, all the stories. Um, it's not necessarily, my story isn't necessarily the story you think it is. And if you go in thinking that our story looks a certain way, speaks a certain way, feels a certain way, and then we give you something different, that I feel like should be like a pause of, hang on, what is this? Have I been wrong? What's this? Maybe this is amazing. So I think that that can be super exciting, but it goes with trust because, and it, this is not to say that if you don't have no track record, obviously no one's going to trust you, but like, we're talking about like, if you've, you know, you've put the work in, you've done everything that, you know, you have shows, you've done these things that then to push it to Broadway or to push it, to level it up, that that's where that jump in trust is, is necessary. Mm. I want to hear about uh, the projects you're working on and then I have a, a wrap up question, but let's like, we talked about the work, the need for the work, how investors can help create the work and give us trust, right? As we try something new. I love this idea that if you're investing in me because you think this is my story, hold on because the story is even richer and, and more expansive than what you think. I love that. So let's talk about some of the stories that you're working on. Let's talk about Grace. Let's talk about Sweet Goats, Blueberries, Senoritas. Uh, which one should we do? How about uh, Sweet Goats, Blueberries, Senoritas? You want to tell us about that one? I'll do that one quickly because that's now in January. Um, so that opens uh, at Portland Stage and it's called Sweet Goats and Blueberry Senoritas. And I, I co-wrote that with Richard Blanco, who was um, Obama's inaugural poet. Um, he invited me to to write this with him. And it's been an incredible experience. It At the lead is a Cuban-American a baker, a chef, who um, is in Maine and is having this, this big rift with her mother. Um, she's not sure whether to go back to Miami or stay in Maine. And it really, in the end, is about community, but the community we find. I won't say anymore. I feel like you leave, there's sadness in it, but the, our intention was for people to leave uplifted 
And hopefully it does that. And, you know, food always does that a little bit. So that's in there. And that that's up uh, January 25th through February 12th at Portland Stage. And then we have Vicky and I uh, upcoming hashtag graced along with Sarah Hughes. And should I say what it's about? Do you want to give yeah, a little? Um, so that's up in... Uh, <laughs> that's up on May 4th through uh, the 21st at the Adrian Arch Center, uh, produced by uh, Zoetic Stage, along with Aurea Camino Collective. Correct. And it's going to be co-directed by Victoria Collado and Sarah Hughes, which is so fun to have two directors. At this one, we call it a road trip play um, because there's a woman at the helm of this road trip and she is she happens to be a journalist but her her role as a journalist is blurring with influencer and there's a whole lot of that in this play like where where is authenticity what is social media all of that anyway she's on the road trying to figure out what it means to be american right now and she's asking that question and she's on the road with the her her um love buddy <laughs> Her, her new, her I was new gonna, lover, her new lover, <laughs> who is the the um the son of the, uh, the sponsor, sponsor of this trip, <laughs> um, and she's you know she's going around, but she also has a very very personal journey and is trying to figure out the story of her mother in the United States, but nobody knows that except herself. So all of that is wrapped into this piece. Yeah, I I think that my my favorite part about about hashtag graced is that even though the lead is a Cuban American woman and all that, it's a, it's an American story Mm. filled with unusual American characters, right? Like it's, it's taking the, the road trip idea. Like instead of having Jack Kerouac have an existential experience, you have all these people from all walks of life. Like there's a, a a wayward nun. There is a, a questioning transitioning teen. There's, all these things that it's like what America looks like today from this other perspective, while also being a unifying play, which is what I like. I like that it's a, it's kind of celebrating the differences in America and, and in a, in a positive way, not necessarily like a, we hate everything. Yeah. <laughs> Last question. Um, if there was another Cuban American producer listening to this podcast, what advice would you give them about finding investors for their important work call us <laughs> definitely call us um that's number one i think that my i think that one advice i would give is uh there's gonna be a choice at some point for anybody who's hyphenate american um of how much you want to include of your roots and how much you don't want to and you have to find the balance of what is true to you Vanessa and I are unapologetically Cuban American. Like we're, we're unapologetically that. And we know other Cuban American creators, investors, producers, um, who are actually they They don't connect with that part of that of themselves. But when you cross the line, when you're a hyphenate, I think it's important to find the, the voice that is yours and what stories you want to tell and how you want to tell them. And I also think that it's important to see, I mean, I know we do this. We research people um, who are like us, not necessarily just Cuban-American, but that are telling stories in a way that we admire and are getting getting funding and getting investors. You seek people out and you ask them questions and you go have coffee and stuff. The reason why I'm not joking, like call us, is because 
it, it's what Vicky said. Like, there's going to be investors that are going to want our story. And then there's going to be investors that are like, oh, I thought you were something else. And then we could be like, oh, give it to them because they're doing that. And then, you know, you have this circle. You're never going to be making the same work. It's not, you know, it's like saying that Americans are in competition with each other. You're not, right? Like, you're just telling stories. We have to, and I just to add a little bit to that, I think we have to break and it's it's on the responsibility of all of us, but it can start from us, uh, which is like we have to break that there's only one seat at that table, mm-hmm. meaning there's only that one slot in that one season for the one Hispanic show. The one, like we have to evade that. We have to stop that because it's incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these stories are American stories, and they all deserve to be heard. Yeah, and like hashtag Graced. There's a Cuban American character, but then there's a South American ca- character. Um, there's an Argentinian. There's a Uruguayan. There's um, like a, a kind of like she hasn't said where she's from mm-hmm. character, but definitely you know uh, there's just so many different characters yeah it's all we just have to think bigger yeah and wider wider mm. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that distinction <laughs> oh my, God. Hey, my cuban american accent just really helped me out there <laughs> I love it. Oh, Vanessa, Vicky, Outbreak Amino Collective, collectively, thank you for taking some time with me. You are each a joy and together a delight. I'm so excited for your path and like to be on your coattails and watch as this world explodes for you as it has. Congratulations. Thank you, Megan. Thank you so much. And hopefully you'll come on Emptiness, never the Emptiness. Yes. Hide with your Already super attractive yet. family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to make that happen. <laughs> you have a wonderful day. Thank you again. Oh, before we go, uh, shout out. Where can people find you? Tell us your oh, social. Yeah. Yes. So you can find our company at, at Abre Camino Collective um, on Instagram. And then you can find me at It's Vicky Lean. Um, and you can find me at Vanessa Garcia Writer. And then we both have websites and a company website. Company website, abrecaminocollective.com. Personal websites, vanessagarcia.org and victoriacoyalo.com. There we go. We will list all of those in the notes because people will want to find you. They will need to find you. (laughs) Thank you again. Have a great day. Thank Thank you.